Hey everyone, welcome back to The Unedited Me. I'm Sabrina and today I have this special guest here. Uh, I've known this lady since she was around eight years old and she is my oldest friend, um, not in age, but that we've known each other for the longest time of all of our friends. And today I have- I'm not that old. No. <laughs> uh, today I have Marissa Bonima because you'll always be Bonima to me uh Bidal because that's your new name mm -hmm. I have you here and I'm super happy because we're talking about family and we're pretty much family I mean for how long we've known each other <laughs> I would say so I would say 100% you better girl you better <laughs> um so today we're talking about family we're talking about what it looks like to love family when it's hard uh, we both understand what that looks like, I think, in, in different ways, but we have learned how to love people in our family and how to love, you know, each other even um, mm -hmm. in hard times. And so um, knowing, I just want to like give a little background. I've known Marissa, you know, for a, a quite a while and she's very resilient woman. Uh, she, that, and I think that runs in her family as we've discussed before. Um, <laughs> She she is somebody who has been through things and that has come out the other side and she's come out more beautiful, more shiny, more um, more joyful than you would ever expect. And I think that that's such a beautiful thing that you exude. And I just want to congratulate you. <laughs> on your well, thank resilience. you. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so maybe, you know, just explain some some family dynamics that maybe um, you you went through or that you're currently going through that may be difficult and that uh, maybe some people would understand or, you know, empathize with because they're probably going through some stuff as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, I would say when you were speaking, something that came to my heart was the word patience. And I think patience is important when we're dealing with family or when we're dealing with ourselves. And I think they go hand in hand because when it comes to difficult situations or when it comes to relationships, whether that's family, like your immediate family or your extended family or your community, I think we need to have patience with ourselves in the process as we're learning how to love well and patience with those around us who are also broken, who are weak, and who are also learning how to love well. Um, so that's one of my biggest things that I feel I've learned over the years um, with what I've faced. And I feel that there is definitely more for me to, to learn and grow in, in regards to that. I think that I remember being a young girl and really wanting to please my parents or really wanting to please my family. And I would honestly like, make lists in my head about what I did right that day and what I did wrong mm -hmm. and then tell myself well you were bad there or you were not good there mm -hmm. and I was I was putting this label on myself as a good girl if I reached the expectations of my list if I made my mom happy or if I made my dad happy or whoever it was and this was putting me in in this place of feeling like I had to fulfill this role of being the perfect daughter or the perfect sister. And it didn't lead me anywhere. It actually led me into a spiral of 
anxiety and then which led to an eating disorder one day because I was thinking I have to be perfect. I need to be perfect. And it started from that place in my heart of wanting to please my family, Mm -hmm. of wanting to make them happy, of wanting to give them what I thought they needed when that was never my job. My job was to be a daughter and my job was to be a sister. Mm -hmm. And yet I thought I had to be the one to make everything right. Yeah. So patience to bring it back around is what I feel is an important lesson I've learned. Patience with myself and patience with people around me. Totally. So yes. And that's, I think that that's, it's so key. Um, as you were talking, I, maybe if you just wanted to share, how did you know that, that your eating disorder that you struggled with, that you do not struggle with anymore, uh, just to be very clear with everybody, how did you know that that derived from family dynamics, from the stuff that was going on? Because, you know, there are some people that may be living through some stuff right now and they may be going through an eating disorder or something and they don't even realize that it has to do with their family or this need to control what they eat because the other things in their lives, they're not able to control, unfortunately. Yeah, I would say um, I realized that it was rooted in relationship, Mm. my eating disorder, because it, it wasn't it was about me wanting to make somebody else happy. It was about me wanting to make my parents happy or my mom happy. And that's what I would say triggered this thing inside of me that said to make somebody happy, I need to control. And that also led to the eating disorder. And my eating disorder lasted for a good, um, I don't know how many years, can't think of the top of my head, but I guess it started when I was around 17 years old. And it, it ended, or what's ended, I don't know if I can say it like that, but it healed um, around when I was, I guess, 21. Mm-hmm. So it's been a journey. And I think I had one of my, not one of my, I had my therapist tell me that eating disorders are often rooted in relationship to your mom mm-hmm. and relationship to how your dynamic was with her. So that's something to think about. It's not maybe everyone's story, but it's something that I had to think about. Okay, where in my relationship with my mother was I trying to be either her or the opposite of her? Mm -hmm. And how did that lead to my eating disorder um, journey? Wow, that's crazy. And like, honestly, I think that not a lot of people would even think of that like at all like unless somebody like a therapist would come into into their their path to tell them like oh maybe that this has to do with like a a person in your life and um honestly like I just want to number one say to anybody who who has this or who is going through this uh that you I think that going to see a specialist going to see somebody is really important um don't take our word for it don't take what we said Please don't. Um, but but yeah, um, it, it's it's just crazy that, you know, with with what you've experienced and with your journey uh, with family, you were able to heal because you found out the the cause of of something that was really hurting your life, um, which is just beautiful. Um, I'm just I'm also wondering, you know, you've been married for three years. You're going into four years this year. 
which is mm-hmm. awesome. I'm super happy for you. Um, how was it, you know, going from like changing from being single to being married and having that family dynamic switch over? You, you do come mm-hmm. from a bigger family than I do. I come from a family of three, four, if you count my, my grandmother. Um, I do. <laughs> so four. <laughs> of course. Um, but you do come from a bigger family. So how was it transitioning from a, a bigger family to being you and your husband and having family together? And what did that mm-hmm. look like? Was there a challenge in that? Hmm. I would say there was not much of a challenge. I actually was quite excited to get married and to create my own little home and my own little family. Um, prior to getting married, I feel like I did a lot of work in my heart and a lot of work in understanding who I was. I did get married young for the world standards. I got married at 23 and that's quite young. I mean, I'm not saying Sabrina not, got married you were, younger. <laughs> I don't, that's her story to share, but anyway. I, I got married younger than you. Yes. But for you getting married at that age was young. And I understand that. Um, at least people told me it was young. Like I didn't think it was young, but people were like, well, that's so young. And I would have a lot of girls question why the heck I wanted to get married at that age. Mm-hmm. And I actually enjoyed that question in a way because it was like, oh, I can explain to you why I'm marrying the man of my dreams and give you all the reasons why he's the best person for me and why I'm so excited to be with him for the rest of my life. So it wasn't a horrible question to be asked. It was always just kind of funny that it was such a shock yeah. to people sometimes. Yeah. So back to the question, I would say that I learned transitioning from this bigger family and into the smaller family just was a transition. Like I didn't feel like I had to really prepare. Like I prepared my heart by, like I said, I went to like a school ministry and I did like some inner healing and I traveled a little bit and met people around the world and really helped stabilize who I was and what I believed in and my values and my worldview and whatever it was that I needed to understand about myself before getting married. I think because I did that, when I got married, it just felt like the right step, next step to do. Mm-hmm. And my family backed up, backed me up. They believed in us. They wanted us to be married. It wasn't yeah. anything dramatic on that part. They loved Phil. So yeah, it's really awesome. I mean, I think that because, I mean, we did touch on it, but I did get married young. I got married at 19, for those of you guys who don't know. Um, and obviously that was a shock for my family. Uh, yeah. It was mm-hmm. a shock for my friends as well and for my friends' family and for a lot of people. Um, and, you know, up until, to be quite honest with you, this past year, 2020, I didn't even know what it looked like to separate myself from my family that I was born into to being a family of one, a unit of one with my husband. Mm. And that was actually one of the biggest revelations I got, I think in 2020, amongst other things, my therapist really helped me with that. But (laughs) um, being a family of one with your husband was not something I understood, even with going to, you know, when we got married, we went to Bethel Supernatural School of Ministry and we went to like a a marriage class with a lot Mm -hmm. of married people who were much older than us. 
uh, we were like the youngest married of the the ones, the people there. <laughs> and um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, even through going through that and, you know, being around other couples, being around people, mentors, all of that, I did not understand what it was to be a unit of one with my husband. Yeah, that's good. It honestly, and it, it caught me off guard when I found out that I wasn't a unit <laughs> of one. Uh, when my therapist was telling me, like was basically hinting very loudly to, to the fact that I had not cut off those ties with my parents in mm. the sense where uh, I still felt like I owed them something as though I was still living with them. Yeah. And, you know, that was um, a revelation. And I'm still walking that out right now. I'm still learning what it looks like to to not do that, to not feel like I owe them something or not feel like I need to share them, uh, share to them, you know, about my finances, about, about, you know, my sex life, stuff like that. I don't, you know, I, I don't need to do that. Whereas that's a good point. It almost felt like I had to, or like, like my mom should be my best friend now that I'm an adult now. And like the yeah. reality is, is that it, I don't think that it's supposed to be like that. Our, our parents are not supposed to be our best friends. Uh, I mean, they're supposed to be our parents. They love us. They, you know, they're supposed to <laughs> bring us up into this world. They're supposed to teach us things about love, about life. They can be friends to us, but I don't think that they're supposed to be our best friends. And I don't think that they're supposed to be, you know, more than that. <laughs> I don't think, I think that- yeah, I think if you're, if you're putting your parent in the role of best friend, then you're putting your husband after almost almost and uh something that I was doing was that I was feeling guilty for not you know providing for my for my family like Mm. like I I thought that I had to provide for my family in some weird way I think that it's just it should be a transition where we move into a place where we're one with our husbands and our husbands are our best friend are they're the ones that that we do life with now they are our family they become yeah. our family um that's something that I had to learn this past year and yeah. for letting go of responsibilities that you put on yourself that you thought you had to fulfill mm-hmm. through dynamics in your relationship with your parents that kind of fostered that belief inside of you exactly exactly and I think that you know we both have we've talked about it uh about how we we feel like we've both done that with our families in in different ways for sure and I'm just wondering like from your perspective what have you what are the things that you notice that you're like oh okay this is this is something that I need to start changing in in the dynamic of, you know, me being married and me having my family unit now? Mm -hmm. I would say similar to you, my biggest thing was walking around with this feeling of guilt and this feeling of like, I need to take care of every single person on this planet. I need to take care of every single person 
around me, but most importantly, I need to take care of every single person in my extended family. And it was a big role to play, to take care of all those people. Um, so I think for myself, yes, um, it's about letting that go, like letting go of that idea that I'm, I'm the one who's going to be the hero of everyone's story. And I'm the one who's going to fix every single problem that comes up in my family's family's, um, life. And I'm not, and I can't, and my role is to simply love with open hands and an open heart, but it's not to be the fixer. And I was almost, I was riding this wave of like, oh, I'm going to fix everyone's problems and I'm going to make everyone feel better. And I'm going to make sure that everyone leaves here with a smile. And from I can remember, I was always like that as a child. I always wanted to make sure everyone was having a good time around me. And that's not even my job. My job was to have a good time. (laughs) So it's like, that's, I think that's the biggest thing is letting go and saying, okay, Marissa, you love, you have a big heart. You want to love people, but you can't fix them. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. And you need to accept that truth. Mm -hmm. Truth is that they're going to have problems. The truth is everyone's going to have struggles. The truth is that everyone's going to fail in life and you don't need to be there to, to pick them back up and to pat them on the head and say, it's going to be okay. You just need to be there and, and say, I'm available. I'm here. I love you. Mm-hmm. And so and if that I mean, your sense. husband does, your husband does, that's, that's important to know. Your husband should be that person to be there or your wife towards that yeah. towards husband. And then exactly. And to bring it full circle, like my job primarily is to prioritize, prioritize, bleh, prioritize Phil and to be that person for him. And if I'm being that person for everyone else around me, how can I fully give that attention to, to the one that I, that God's asked me to do that for? Yeah. So yeah, that's it. totally. It's, it's just crazy when you, when you like face that and you're like, Oh, but I want to just help everyone and I want everyone to be okay and I want everyone to be healed and I want everybody to be okay with me because, you know, I think that for me, I'm 100% guilty of that. I just wanted to be loved and I wanted to be accepted. And if I could be loved and accepted by helping people or being being the one to be the shoulder to cry on or to be the one to be the savior, I, I don't think that I was as much the savior as some other people I know. (laughs) But um, yes, we're talking about Marissa, but you know, all in love, all in love. Uh, I did, I did want to be the savior for a lot of people, for, for a lot of friends. And I, when I realized that I, I honestly felt really crappy to start off. Like it kind of was like, Oh, I just want to to be my own savior. So I'm trying to save everybody else. But you can't even be your own savior in the end of the day. Um, that's no. why we are Christians. We believe in Jesus. If you don't believe in God, I mean, you can try to be your own savior. <laughs> uh, I personally would say that it won't work uh, because I've tried so many times and it just really failed, uh, to be quite honest. Um, but when it comes to family and when it comes to, you know, facing that, facing the truth that, that we want to try to save everybody, or we want to try to 
to just be there for them in ways that we don't, we think that it's like a healthy way to be there for them, but it actually isn't. Um, I've personally noticed that in, in my relationship with my mother, um, there have been, you know, there have been circumstances in our, in our life that uh, led to my mom getting divorced. And there were times when I just, so I remember just being a teenager and wanting to just save her from her, what she was going through. And that was really devastating yeah. to me when I couldn't be that for her. Yeah. Um, but I continued trying until, you know, 20, 25 years old, um, <laughs> until I, you know, got a therapist and I realized that I can't do that for her. Um, and that's not because she necessarily put that on me, but that's because I put that on myself because I, I just, think that's key. Exactly. I just wanted to be loved. And in that moment, I don't think that, um, she maybe in all of her love for me, she knew fully how to love me what, while she was going through what she was going through. And I completely understand, um, the situation was not very great, but the, like, I mean, I just wanted to do something. Uh, so, you know, for anybody who is going through a divorce or anybody who is, um, a, a kid going through a divorce or a teenager going through a divorce, um, in their family, just know that trying to save the people um, involved is just going to, you know, make you drown. Um, mm. Because you're trying to you're trying to save somebody in in a body of water that's extremely deep, and mm -hmm. the reality is that your your mass is going to be so much bigger than what you can even um, deal with, and you just end up sinking in in guilt and shame and frustration and anger. Um, yeah. and that's something that I had to realize after going through it. So, um, it's just key to know that in whatever circumstance, whether that it's my, what happened in my family or what happened in your situation, um, trying to save people is not ideal. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> It's not. And I think there's a difference between trying to be the savior of the story and simply loving people. And I think I didn't understand that difference, which made me fall into the spiral of like burning myself out to a point of like, oh my gosh, I'm so overwhelmed and realizing I have not been doing this well. And I've not been loving the way I should be loving. I've been doing it the way I think I should be doing it. And that's even like, I think that I'm the one who's going to help you change the situation, make it better, but I'm not. So it, I think that, yeah, just bringing it back to that place of understanding the difference and knowing that it's okay to not always love in the way that you thought you should be loving, but yeah. find creative ways that you never thought were yeah. love. What are some yeah. creative ways that you can love somebody? I would say is knowing their love language is an important one. Okay, <laughs> especially love for language. your husband, especially for your husband, uh, that's a, a very important one to know. Mm -hmm. And I guess a creative way to love is is just basically showing them that you're that you're present, that you're there, that you're near, that you're close to them, and 
and being able to to do that in creative ways would be like if you know that they love gifts you can paint them something or if you know someone loves words you can write a poem mm. if you uh, know somebody's acts of service you can buy them their favorite shirt ice cream I don't know I think acts of service no that's gifts I think acts oh, right. of service is um it's more doing something for someone like, like doing the dishes for them or like right. doing the laundry or something like that. Um, or maybe bringing something to somebody that like, that y- they didn't, they didn't expect you to come over and like drop something off. That could also be a gift, but if you s- serve them in some way, that could also be a service. So you can mix the two even. Can mix um, them. For those who don't know what we're talking about, we're talking about the five love languages. Um, I don't really remember who it's from. Uh, I'm so sorry, but the um, five love languages. I um, me neither. <laughs> I don't remember who it's from, but it's a really famous person who just basically made up, not made up, not at all, <laughs> but basically the, categorized um, the way that we. Uh, feel loved and so there's a test online it's completely free what you can do is you can go onto his website we just found out it's gary chapman and you can take the test and the test will tell you if you are one of the five love languages which is uh acts of service gifts quality time um words of affirmation and What's the fifth one? Touch. <laughs> I, I forget yes. about touch because I'm not touch. <laughs> um, so yeah, so those are the five love languages that we were talking about. And that is a really good tip to love somebody through those love languages. I would even recommend when you, um, you know, get into a relationship with someone, whether it's a, you know, an amorous relationship, a love relationship, a Morris relationship. I don't know why that popped into my brain. I felt like being fancy with my words. Um, whether it's a love relationship or a family relationship that maybe you haven't even asked that question, or maybe it's just a friend that you meet and you become friends to even like ask them what they're, what, how they feel loved, like what kind of things, um, make them feel loved. Uh, And you can even, I mean, in these harder times right now, it's even, I think that it's even more crucial to know those things so that we can put those in place. Yeah. And I think that that's a, that's a really good idea. Thank you for sharing that, Marissa. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh, I, I was wondering what tips you had to give to other couples who, you know, are um, starting in marriage or who are, um, in the beginning of their marriage life. And they may just be realizing that they still have these ties with their, with their families in unhealthy ways and how to, how to number one, realize that or come maybe like take a a moment of, you know, self-realization and, and taking a moment to visualize it and see it as, as fact, rather than just think like, oh, maybe that's happening. Um, number one. And number two, how do you put in place some steps to, you know, make your way out of that and into your rightful family, which, you know, you created once you got married and you had that bond between you and your husband. Yeah. Forged in matrimony. Yes. <laughs> Commitment, promise, and love forever. 
uh, until death do us do us but death do, death us, do part. us part yes <laughs> okay I think so the first question was what do you say to those people um the first the first <laughs> question was um like how do you realize that how do you maybe- realize you are not necessarily doing things in a healthy way. Yeah. I would say you realize once <laughs> for myself, it was just like, oh, I am not doing well. Like I am overwhelmed. I am taking too much on and I don't feel good. I realized I'm not feeling well. Like I feel like I've taken on way too much than I can ha- that I can handle. And this is not okay. For myself, I I kind of felt exhausted inside of my spirit, inside of my soul, inside of my inner man, whatever you want to call it. And I realized that something was off. And when I realized that something was off, it kind of triggered me to, to say, what is off? What is the actual root of what's happening? Why am I so tired? Why do I feel like I'm bothered by anyone who requests me to help them? It was almost like I was irritated. I was like, whoa, don't ask me to help you. This is too much. And I think that was just from, that's like not even who I really am. So I was like, what is happening? And that was just because I said, I reached this point of like, no, I'm I'm overwhelmed. Um, so when I started to see like this pattern of tiredness, this pattern of feeling overwhelmed, this pattern of wanting to disengage from people and kind of be in my own little bubble, it was like, what's going on, Marissa? So I sat myself down and I realized that a lot of it was rooted in my understanding of basically the little Marissa inside of me who was like, hello, I'm here and you've been neglecting me and you haven't been paying attention to me. And this little Marissa was basically just saying, come and listen to what I have to say. So if that makes sense, um, or I should, yeah, that, I think that's what I'm it does make say. sense. It does make sense. So this little Marissa was kind of crying out for my attention. And when I listened and realized that there was a broken little girl inside of me who just wanted to be loved and who just wanted to be accepted and who just wanted to be heard, that was a big one for me. I wanted to be heard. I wanted to be seen. And I realized, oh, this is rooted in some family dynamics from when I was a kid that I didn't feel like those were met. And so I was stuck in this place of trying to fulfill that desire I had that little girl inside of me that was wanting to feel those things and I was doing that through helping and then I hit this point of like whoa so when you realize just sit with yourself and ask yourself how are you really doing are you tired are you overwhelmed are you anxious are you stressed are you afraid are you scared like just list those thoughts in your mind I in your mind list those things down on in your mind or on paper yeah and I mean both get, both work get real get real get honest with yeah. yourself and not don't be afraid nobody's perfect yes exactly so. that's really good um so either in your mind or writing it down super important those are two things that that you can do today if you feel like you're stuck you feel like um, whether it's, you know, when people come to you for, for help or, or needing help, um, and you feel exhausted, or maybe even it could be something so different. It can be, you know, 
it can be so many different things. It can literally be that you feel numb. It could literally just be that. I know people yeah. who who that's their their reaction to life is that they just get numb and they're it's like they can't even feel like when somebody talks to them when um when they watch something that that normally they would feel sad or sad about or maybe their spouse comes and talks to them and they tell them something that is like bad news or something and they just don't feel anything. Those are number those are like your kind of tick those off. If, if those are happening to you, then maybe there's something deeper that's happening. Um, or if your family, if something is going on in your family and you just don't even know how to respond ever, and you just feel like you can't even feel any emotion, that is definitely a big, uh, red flag. Uh, mm-hmm. so take time for yourself, ask yourself those questions that Marissa said, something that, uh, my therapist, we're talking about our therapist a lot, uh, but something that my therapist uh, said was ask yourself, what is triggering me right now? When you feel triggered in that moment, you know, you may be even working. You may be, uh, you may be doing, having an important conversation with somebody. You may be, you know, being, you may be recording a podcast and you'll be triggered. Literally any <laughs> little situation and you could be triggered. And in that moment, ask yourself, or if you need to take time afterwards and ask yourself, okay, what, what triggered me in that moment? I, I know that I felt anxious. My heart was beating faster. I was feeling a little sweaty. My palms were getting sweaty or maybe the opposite. I felt numb. I felt like I couldn't think after that person said this thing, uh, or my yeah. family member said this thing then that's a, a, another red flag that you need to maybe pay attention to. Um, yeah. Then the second, the second part of that was, okay, so you know something is wrong. You mm-hmm. may have found out something is wrong. What are some steps to take now uh, moving forward with your spouse, with yourself uh, to you know, resolve the issue and to heal? Mm-hmm. I would say the first step is to admit to what's happening and accept what's happening. The second step is to speak to someone. Um, So not necessarily your best friend. I mean, yes, do that also. Don't just neglect your best friend or (laughs) your close community, Um, but speak to a professional who can help you. Um, Speak to a counselor, a therapist, a pastor, whoever you feel in your heart you need to to speak to. and speak with them and be honest and get real and let them teach you like be teachable position your heart in a way that's open so that you can receive what they're wanting to say and what they may you don't necessarily maybe see in yourself right away some blind spots um so I would say that's the second step and then the third step is of course all of this you always need to invite your husband it's not really a third step it's basically all of the steps always include your husband in your process yes and be honest with him as well and invite him into your healing journey and make sure that he is a part of that with you um because you guys again are one you guys are in this together and it's not about your success versus his success but it's about your success as a team and when you succeed, he's succeeding, or when you're failing, you help each other out there. But basically, I just really want to remind you that you need to always include your husband yes. in this journey and yes. be honest and open. Don't hide. Yeah, uh, that is super huge. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, you know what? I 
realized that there were areas that I was not being fully honest with my husband. Dun, dun, dun. And when that happens, what? Like, I just, what do you do when that happens? When you realize that you can't even be fully honest with your other half, the person that you've, you know, decided to take vows with and you decided to choose each other and do life together. Uh, there is something wrong when you're not able to talk to your husband about what's going on inside of your mind, inside of your soul, inside of your spirit, inside of your body. Um, and if you are not right now, I'm just telling you right now as somebody who's dealt with that, if you are not telling your husband something, you need to talk to him or you need to talk to a professional to then talk to him. Uh, because your, you know, your husband or your wife, I'm, I'm just saying more like your spouse, basically, if you're unable to talk to them about something that you're thinking about, uh, the thing is that it, it causes like these walls that start building up. And I mean, if you think about it in the sense of like your, your bestie, okay. I'm just going to think about, you know, my besties and the things that I've shared with them. So the things I've shared with Marissa or the things I've shared with some other really great friends of mine, uh, if I can share more with more with my besties, you know, you know, you know, you have a nice glass of white wine, you're talking over dinner or over zoom right now. Um, and you just <laughs> share and you feel like, Oh, I, I am just going to talk with my girls and I'm going to let it all out. Um, and I'm just going to tell them everything that's going on in my heart, but you don't talk to your husband like that with ease. Yeah. There is a problem. I'm yeah. just going to be real with you right now. There is a problem because <laughs> I dealt with that problem and that yeah. was me. Um, and there are moments when I catch myself doing that again. And I have yeah. to realize very quickly that I need to talk to my husband. Mm -hmm. Some, some situations that may make us feel shameful or guilty about talking with our our partners could be even deep, you know, like sexual things, uh, intimacy things, uh, it, things that, you know, we may feel even uncomfortable talking with our best friends about, talking with anybody about, to be quite honest, <laughs> uh, talking even with yourself about. Um, yeah. And I know all about that. I know what it's like, but it's time to share. It is time to share. Uh, as, as uh, sorry, I just started, I started, started thinking about, um, friends. There's a moment in friends when, um, Ross and Chandler are having a conversation and Ross tells something to Chandler and Chandler tells something to Ross. And then Ross just says, I, sh I asked if you could share, not scare. <laughs> And it's like, it's like super awkward too. It has to do with sexual things. And I'm not telling you to go watch that show, uh, <laughs> especially if you deal with, you know, with not feeling comfortable listening to sexual things. I am not, I am not advocating watching something that you do not feel comfortable watching, but um, it is just a funny part. <laughs> and it made me think about that <laughs> because Chandler gets so freaked out and he's like, he's, and, and Ross gets freaked out. Oh my gosh. Anyways, sometimes it's just best not to, not to share things with your best friend that will scare them. 
Um, and that's a- I'm not easily scared. <laughs> I've heard it all. Ending the conversation, talking about friends, I will always enjoy that. I mean, you know how much I love this this series, this TV show. Um, so all to say is that, you know, it's important to share with your spouse. And yes. uh, sometimes we will share things with our friends that may scare them. <laughs> and it's okay because you're still loved. Yes, yes. All, all, good. all together, all in all, you're still loved. And if somebody <laughs> doesn't love you for what you share to them, then you got to get that person out of your life. Glenn you need to find community who will hold your hand and say, it's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Thank you guys so much for being a part of this conversation. We've, you know, we've talked about a lot of things and we just hope that throughout uh, this coming year that you guys would just, uh, be able to do family in a healthier way, step-by-step. And disclaimer, once again, we are not therapists. Do not take what we say um, as 100% set in stone. We may change the way that we think, but right now this is what we think. Uh, And if you really- growing. Yes. If you really want professional advice, see a therapist. I have a good one. You can message me and I will put you in contact with this person. (laughs) Yes. Amen. And I think as well, just remember again, patience, remember process, remember letting go acceptance and love. Exactly. Thank you so much guys. And we will see you guys soon on the unedited me. Bye. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed this week's podcast and I hope you enjoyed Marissa. You know, she is one of my dearest and oldest friends and I do intend to have her back on the podcast at a later date. So actually, if you're interested, I do have a Patreon page and there, if you subscribe monthly, you would be able to vote on what topics we would have in our next podcast. So if you're interested, you can go and check out patreon.com slash beloveds key and check out my page and check out what I offer because you would get the chance to vote on topics and questions and a lot of other things. Don't forget guys to rate, review and subscribe and share this podcast with everybody that you know, because you know that there's somebody that needs to hear what you just listened to today. So uh, share it on Instagram, hashtag the unedited me podcast, as you guys know, and we will see each other soon.